fault. That's not true. They'll go if there's something decent to look at. No one wants to see Henry V leading a charge of soldiers consisting of two people in the wings banging a saucepan. You're abandoning everything we've worked for over the years. Francis was tired and a flash of temper erupted. I have never abandoned anyone in my life. That is why there was a performance tonight. Don't you know that the show must go on? Maybe things wouldn't have got like this if you didn't spend so much fucking time with your kids. Both women took a deep breath. Is that what you think? asked Gina. That I've let you down? Francis shook her head. I'm sorry. No, of course you must spend time with the girls. I I thought I could manage without you, but lately I'm... I'm Miss Angel, Mrs Harper. The theatre manager called out into the street. We're ready on stage. So did you get someone to step in? whispered Francis urgently to Gina as they made their way backstage. Gina gave a long and deeply felt sigh before she replied, Alistair. <laughs> You're kidding, right? Francis stopped Gina in the wings. <laughs> why would you do that to me? Gina had had enough. She couldn't recall why a theatrical business had ever seemed like a good idea. It's eleven o'clock in the middle of bloody nowhere. I'm sure I could have got Ian McKellen ready for tomorrow night. Now get on stage and do what you do best. The actors, cleansed of their makeup and all inclined to believe that they were emotionally drained, stood ghost-like in the dim light of a single safety lamp. Francis took a deep breath and stepped from the dark wings, quietly applauding. Unbelievable. I've been working in the theatre for twenty years, and I have never seen a more professional, more dedicated approach by any group of actors. You had a nightmare evening, and yet your focus never wavered. Frances swept her eyes around the assembled cast. Now, I know that things have been hellish since Peter Darnley was readmitted to rehab and could no longer give his king. Sadly, Peter's demons proved too strong, but how proud he will be when he knows that tonight the show went on. I know that John here, Francis nodded towards the feckless understudy, has given his all, but... Despite that, the situation cannot continue. Nevertheless, John, thank you. Francis led a round of applause for the man who, up until ten minutes ago, the rest of the company had wanted to kill. Tomorrow morning, the distinguished actor, Alistair Barton, will be joining the company. This extraordinary, and may I say, very special company. Francis began to applaud again, and for reasons no one would ever be able to recall... The entire cast and the theatre manager joined in. When at last everyone, even the fragile Mr Allen, had departed content, Francis and Gina got into the car for the long drive back to London. Gina drove for a while without speaking, until at last she said, Mama is worried about you. Francis gave a wry smile. Ah, the Aunt Emilia card. You haven't tried that in a long time. Gina looked at Francis out of the corner of her eye. They had grown up together. For 35 years, they had shared secrets and successes. We've been doing this for a long time, Francis. You're probably right about the kids. I thought I could do it all, and maybe I can't. But it's not just me. You need a rest. You need a change. Change? I'm 40. The only change I have to look forward to is the kind that brings you out in hot sweats at two in the morning. Look, Francis, I know you don't want to talk about your beloved Alistair. Francis held up her hand to stop Gina, but it was too late. 
Your beloved Alistair, much to no one's surprise, was a shit. He's an actor. They're all shits. You have a broken heart. Take a holiday. The women paused for a moment and the silence was thick with things unsaid. Mama thinks you need to go home, Gina said at last. Francis sat looking out of the window. Home, she said at last. To Bedford. No one needs to go to Bedford. No, Gina took her time. She knew she was treading on thin ice. To Monte Castello. Go and sort things out in your head. Go and face up to what happened. Nothing happened, snapped Francis. There was an accident, that's all. The car went silent. The rain beat down on the windscreen and the rhythm of the wipers lulled Francis into a reverie. Italy. The land of her birth. She tried to picture it, but there were only fragments left. A stone wall, a, a cypress tree, a puppy. Her puppy? Someone else's? She tried to imagine her parents. They had not been poor. The house had stood on the outer reaches of the town, looking across acres of the Umbrian countryside. Sunflowers. There had been sunflowers. Neither Francis nor Gina spoke Italian. Aunt Amelia had insisted on English. She had wanted the girls to fit in. Now Aunt Amelia was slipping slowly into the twilight of dementia. More and more she lapsed into Italian when the girls spoke to her. Frances was five when she had left Monte Castello and had soon forgotten her native language. The town had been in the grip of panic and her parents had spirited her away. They had feared for her life, for their own lives. She had flown wide-eyed and frightened with a brown label attached to her woolen coat. Her parents had been due to follow on, but then there had been the accident and Aunt Amelia had closed the door to Monte Castello. Francis's parents were dead. Gina reached out and touched Francis's hand. Maybe if you sort out the past, then you can move on. Look, I know nothing about Italy. I left Monte Castello when I was five, for God's sake. Everyone is dead now. Mama says Maria is still there. Quite the centre of the village, in fact. Francis took a deep breath. I can't. Gina paused before she spoke. Francis, I know you're afraid of Father Benito. Gina, leave it, warned her cousin, but Gina was on a roll. I'm sure the old priest must be long gone. It's been 35 years. I don't know anyone. Where would I stay? At Sophia Fratelli's house. Francis felt a chill. She's dead. Sophia is dead. The family sold the house to an Englishwoman. It's a summer school now that runs art courses. Frances stared at her insistent cousin. You've already booked this, haven't you? Gina nodded. Learn to paint. Find yourself. Who the hell says I'm lost? Flashed Frances, furious at the way she was being pushed. Gina smiled. Honey, you're so lost... No one is even bothering with a search party. Trust me, we drank the brandy and gave away the St. Bernard. Frances awoke, startled and trembling. Instinctively, she reached for Alistair, but he wasn't there. He hadn't been there for over a year, yet somehow she still kept to her side of the bed. His space on the right lay empty and available. She had been dreaming. She was running and stumbling away from... Away from what? The priest? Father Benito? Had he really been so frightening that her parents had given up their only child? Tired and thick-headed, Frances took the train back to the theatre where she would oversee the rehearsals with Alistair.
She felt sure her unquenchable feelings for the man would no longer engulf her. Frances was a bright and organised woman. She knew that her wasted focus on her past lover was insane. The beginning of Frances and Alistair's affair had caused a great scandal. He had been living with an extremely famous but fading screen star when Frances had hired him for a one-man tour of Oscar Wilde. She had thought nothing of it when his agent had called her to arrange a meeting with her star before a matinee. One moment, Frances had been fine and in control, and in the next, her entire being was lost to the man in front of her. It was also clichéd. Her heart had pounded, she had almost gasped for air, and her brain ceased to function properly. Alistair was a wonderful lover. He treated the act of lovemaking like any other performance, utterly confident of good reviews. It had taken a few weeks of secret trysts and frantic calls to Francis for him to leave his lover. The story was played out across the front pages of the Red Tops for weeks. Suddenly the exchange of emotions and body fluids between Francis Angel and Alistair Barton mattered to everyone. From the beginning her cousin had been the only one who warned her to be careful. He's an actor, she said. I don't doubt that he loves you, but not half as much as he loves himself. Frances had lasted longer than most with Alistair, but she had, perhaps, made a fatal mistake. They'd been having dinner in a favourite restaurant. It's my birthday soon, she had begun. I'm going to be forty, and I think I was thinking about... a baby... There had been a brief moment of silence, broken only by the snap of a breadstick in Alistair's hand. Darling, you are sweet. What a funny idea. <laughs> a dark little thing with an instinct for theatrics. <laughs> he took a sip of wine and laughed. Can you imagine me as a father? You'd be marvellous, of course, but I'd be hopeless.